You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is a weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to EVH and Gear TV. We are live and tonight I'm joined by my very special guest, guitarist Rob Balducci. Rob, how are you? Hey, how you doing? How's everything? Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. It's, it's been great to have you on here. Uh, we share a lot of common interests and uh, love, so we'll be sharing a lot of that through the evening. But really happy to have you here. And I know this is your first time by the show and certainly won't be your last. You have an open invitation to come back. But what our goal here is on the show every weekend uh, is to be the warm-up act for the, for the weekend. We want to get everybody in weekend mode, and we just want to get everyone set and pumped up. And if we do our job well here, everyone's going to take off and have a great weekend and get spoiled by some riffage that you're going to give us a little bit later on tonight, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll be fun. We will uh, jump over to our uh, chat quite often here. I'm going to say hi right now with, for a special reason, because we've got one fellow joining in, Richard Henry. He's on uh, the other side of the, the world, and he's a big fan of yours, and he's staying up very, very late for this one. So I'm just going to say hi for him first. I'm oh, not thank trying, you. I'm not hey. trying yeah, Richard Henry says, hey, Erica, hey, Rob, good morning from Northern Ireland. It's 2 a.m. over here. <laughs> and I'm not trying to play favorites, I just because he's really staying up late for this show, so I wanted to at least yeah. acknowledge that. So, awesome. And why don't we take a second, we'll jump back over to the chat, and we'll say hi to everybody. So we've got Gary Davlin here as well saying good evening. Uh, my uh, beautiful uh, Better Half Nocturnal Butterfly is running the chat. She's going to be posting links to your uh, properties all night long. Uh, Sean Close, hey, Eric and friends. Blimpus, wow, great guest. Hello, Eric and Rob. Uh, Painkiller is here. Happy Friday, and every uh, Eric and everyone. And Les Bellin is here right now, saying hello, Rob, Eric, and all rockers. So I'm going to highlight at um, at Les, and we'll that way we'll know where to uh, come back at. So here's a nice little warm up question for you. And I like to ask pretty much every guest that comes on the show. You know, some some of my guests come on, they have extreme Van Halen knowledge. Some of them have a little bit of Van Halen knowledge, and some of them are just aware of what Eddie and and the band has done for the industry. But uh, how old were you when you first heard Eddie Van Halen, and what was the impact that it had on you? I think I was, um, I'm try, let's, let's try and think. I was 14 years, I was probably 14 years old. I was in my first, one of my first bands. This is, a, this is an interesting story. The, with uh, the other guitar player in the band was, it was uh, Tommy Boland from uh, Warlock. Know him, yes. Yeah, so he was in the band. He was he was older than me, and his brother had the Van Halen one record. Okay. And I I remember I I remember this distinctly. I, I remember Tommy was like Rob, you got to hear this, and I was like, yeah, you know what what is it? And he put it on, and all I can remember is thinking because it's weird now. That I go back and it's the opposite. I, I I remember going back listening and being like, wow, the guitar sounds amazing. I don't like the vocals. <laughs> <laughs> And now I go back now, and of course, like, I love David Lee Roth, but my first little instinct was, wow, like, I didn't feel that his voice went with the guitarage. Okay. <laughs> that was my first impression, but... That's okay. So it's almost like a mashup today when we take a mashup, right? And we yeah. take, you know, one band and another, we superimpose them, so it's almost like that with David Lee Roth with Eddie Van Halen. 
You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, nothing, nothing wrong with that. And yeah. uh, I see, oh, a Tesla Troops is here. Good to see you here, man. That's Mark. Uh, Mark Bush, he's one of my Patreon supporters, and he was having trouble getting into the live chat. So I'm very, very happy to have him here at Tesla Troops. Nice to have you. And here's a familiar name. This FU Tone guy keeps creeping my page. You know that guy? Yeah, Adam. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? It's great to have you here for sure. And we're going to be talking about some uh, FU Tone uh, throughout the evening as well, too. Uh, something that gets talked about on this show just about as much as Van Halen. And I shared a really cool uh, post of his on Instagram yesterday. Man, I don't know where he was shipping them to, but he had what I called a ton of tuna. Uh, he had like about five boxes. Uh, I saw you that. You see that? Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking there's got to be, he can probably comment in the chat, but I'm thinking there's probably 12, 10, 12, maybe 24 D-tunas in a box. I don't know. But uh, there was a lot. So going out to some dealers and stuff, that was pretty awesome. That's great. Uh, PRS uh, Shine says, hi, guys. Mario uh, from... Uh, oh, I can't. Oh, I can't uh, read Spanish very well. Uh, buena entrevista. I'm sorry, bad <laughs> my Spanish. All right, so that's cool. But okay, so let's talk. Obviously, we talked a little bit about uh, the first impression that Van Halen had on you. But this is kind of a. There's no wrong answer, um, unless you probably say OU812. Um, what is your favorite tone period of Van Halen, and why would you pick that one? Um. I I'd have to say that I like, I, you know, Van Halen one is the classic. Um, it, it has to be. It's a toss up between one and two. Okay. Uh, those are probably really my favorite records. Um, and I think it's just, you know, what it is. I, it's uh, you know when a band is first coming out, and especially with you know Eddie seemed to keep keep it on all the records though it's just it had like that the the energy uh you know it was just like everything was the the all all the pieces were in place right and uh it just you know it it was so uh refreshing at the i guess at the time that it came out and uh i like i i really like about what i like about his tone and it's very hard to get i think is that uh it's sustain me and overdriven at that point, but it's not a fuzzy overdrive. Yeah. So it, it you know, it almost sounded like he's playing like, a, you know, I, I, it kind of sounds crazy, but to me, this is my anal analogy. It's almost like a clean amp that's just like on steroids. That's a very good way to put it. And that's, that's the thing. A lot of people think that it was gain city and, mm -hmm. and really it wasn't like you watch even leading up into later years, you know, um, like us fast and things like that. And some of the, uh, the really cool bootlegs that we all, all watch out there and you get to really kind of see firsthand and hear firsthand how it's not necessarily, uh, overdriven. It's just that cascading gain where it's clean and turned up, you know, to, to right. all eternity. And I think also too, like that's a, the great era, the first, the first two records as far as tone and for all of us chasing tone, um, chasing Eddie's sound, I think that's one of the harder ones to replicate. When you get into the newer stuff, where a lot of a lot of fans that watch this show, they come in around the balance era, and we're going to have mm -hmm. some cool balance stories later on in the uh, in the store in the uh, show here tonight. But a lot of people come in around that Sammy era, and some of the younger kids. And when I say kids, you know, like anywhere from a late teen to the early, uh, mid twenties, whatever, they're they're gravitating to that balance era, and that's a tone that's easier to achieve, I think, for people. Because, you know, with just about any pedal out there that does detuning, or even if you want to cheat with a chorus pedal a little bit, but the detuning effect is easier to achieve than that old um, vintage tone. And I think that's why we're always chasing it, and it's it's always raising that bar of how cool it is. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you'd think you think it's easy just to you know take a Marshall and put like a tube screamer in front of it or or, or just something to get that that uh, that that wet tone that he had back then, but it's not. It's we're never getting it. We're never get, we get close, but <laughs> we never get it all the way. Well, you know, I again, a lot goes back to you know, it's the it's it's the story of uh, you know, uh, it, the, the tone is really it's it's in the hands of the player. It go, you know, it goes back to that thing as well. Uh, and, you know, and I, I see it with I see it in my own stuff too. Like, yeah, and I, but look, just not that I'm comparing myself to him at all, but it's the thing about each player is has their own unique thing. Yep. And like, I have people say, "Hey, Rob, I saw you playing through that that little amp, and you still had your tone." I mean, so I think it all has to do a lot has to do with that. I think that's, and so Eddie would, it's no one's ever going to be able to get it. That's, that's right. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm a big uh, Helix fan over here on the show. I'm playing Line Six Helix stuff, and you look at all these different things that are out there that are modeling. There's a million different, and, and you 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 do some works with yeah. amplifier, uh, uh, yes. the atomic stuff like that. So all these companies that uh, sample things, well, we are our own samples too. We carry our, carry our own DNA everywhere we go, and that's why, like you know, the Eddies of the world, you when you go to to play, your friends are saying and fans are saying you sound just like yourself. You carry that footprint, uh, like snapshot of what your tone is. Now, sure, you might be playing through a pig nose amp one day and a full-blown, you know, DV Mark the next day or or Marshall or whatever, uh, and it gets better and better for you. But it, to to the average ears out there, they're still going to hear you the way you sound. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And I mean, I know, I'm sure there's been times you probably look back at yourself or maybe watching some some YouTube videos that maybe someone else took of you, and you're kind of like. Oh, I, I didn't have my sound there, but yet the person who took that video is like, "Man, Rob was on fire." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. No, cool. definitely. I, you know, I could, I, you know, not not to get off topic, but like it, it's something that I think um, that I, I've learned over the years in playing. Uh, I was one of those people that I would go to a show and, like you were saying, like I would, I always try and tape myself playing. Yep. And I used to be the at the point where I still do it, but I'm nowhere near as bad. Like, like I would, I would not have a good show if I felt like my sound wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I'd just be like, you know, too much focused on that. And uh, I've changed over the years now. And now it's really, you know, I go in, I plug in. I mean, uh, and I could, I could really just play. And it's really a mindset where you, you kind of have to not worry about that and just, and just have fun and play. And I think it comes through no matter what. I agree because it, it's so easy. Like at least for me, I'm one of those guys that gets thrown off the the train tracks very very easily. So you, I mean, you can't predict what's going to go wrong. You might have a power supply die on your pedal board, and you might have to run direct. You know, and you're used to having delays and reverbs and stuff like that. And now you're out of your comfort zone, and that's where I've I had this a few times on the show here with different guests. Uh, Chelsea Constable said the other night too. You know, she said. Um, you know, you have to practice to the point where you can get to where you can put on an autopilot if you have to. If nerves take over and you you know you're just in a situation where you think this is going to be horrible, you go into autopilot mode, muscle memory, all that good stuff that the woodshedding you know eight hours a day will certainly give you that comfort zone of being able to get through these yeah. odd oddball situations. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, a couple of questions over in chat. Adam also mentioned 500, so I'm not sure if that was a total of 500 detunas, but that's 500 anyways. There's a lot of detunas. There's a lot of drop D going on in the world in the coming weeks. Um, Painkiller is here saying uh, he likes uh, VH2 better. There's some good stuff on that. Nothing wrong with that. And like I said, there's no wrong answer, right? It's whatever you heard that put, takes you back to a, a time. Uh, Jeff Alexander, my fellow Canadian friend, is here saying, hey, Eric. Richard Henry says, so here's a question for you. He says, what does Rob think about the AZ series Ibanez compared to his customs? And is there any new material coming? Uh, 821 was an awesome album. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot, Richard. Um, yeah, uh, first part of the question. This is one of the new AZs, and, and I'm, I'm I'm digging it. I love it. Um, neck is, uh, it's, it's a totally different animal. Um, but I still am able to get my sounds plus, you know, maybe a little bit nuances because of how the pickups are wired. Um, I also did a couple of things, you know, uh, changes, you know, I'm a, I've been a DeMarzio endorser for God since 1990, I think. And, uh, so I changed what the pickups that came in it and I put in, uh, a new, uh, this is a Saturate, which is a new Satch pickup and a PAF Pro on the neck. Nice. But I'm, I'm able to get my sound and I, the, the, the really thing I like is my first, um, roasted maple neck and, uh, what I found out is I got it. I had it set up, you know, from my regular tech. I hadn't had it. I haven't had to touch this. I mean, the neck does not move. Um, so I really like that. Um, as far as it comparing to my uh, my my customs, it's a little bit. It, the, the neck is just a little bit different. Um, but it's weird. The the last couple of guitars that I had, the neck were kind of turning into this type of shape where it's a little bit smaller, uh, and not as flat. Uh, gotcha. Which is, and, and I like it. Yeah. Looking looking at it from a distance, um, first of all, it's a very nice roasted maple neck, um, and I'm used to seeing the traditional, um, you know, wider profile Ibanez, yeah. like you know the gems and things like that in the RG series, like I was telling you off the air that I had. But that that kind of reminds me, like, just looking at it, kind of like the profile I'd have on my Kramer Pacer. Um, it, what what radius is on that? Do you know offhand? No, I don't know. I don't know offhand. But skinnier though, uh, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely sure. It's. Uh, you know, I think it's it's they call it like a modern C shape. I think that's what they're calling it as far as how it's shaped. Okay, and I, I mean I know your your skill set goes all over the map from blues to insane shredding. But do you find um, like I, I like the skinny neck to be able to wrap your thumb around and do you know kind of bar some chords with your thumb and stuff like that? I imagine you can really strangle that neck with a fairly a fairly thin profile. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it feel it, you know it, it just you know you know what happens is I've been playing such a long time and. Uh, you do get like a repetitive motion type of thing, yep. um, thumb and stuff, and it does seem to uh, help me with that, not getting as much uh, discomfort after a, a long set or something. Fantastic. So very good question, Richard Henry, on the uh, the guitar. And we're going to talk actually more in depth about uh, your relationship with Ibanez throughout the program here as well, too. So there's lots more good stuff coming from uh, from Ibanez, uh, from Rob. Jumping back to the chat for a quick second, Scott Roos is here saying hello from Nova Scotia. I've got some nice Canadian friends in the uh, in the chat. Uh, Sean Cook is here. Access Mario. Speaking of uh, Canadian friends, hey Rob Hi. and Eric. You know, do you know uh, Do you know uh, Mario? Yeah, he's yeah, he's a great, a great guy. guy, isn't he? Yeah, he, that guy is. He's he knows his gear. Yeah. Uh, Michael Madey is here. Eric and uh, uh, Nocturnal Butterfly and Junior. Um, uh, Thomas Santiago's here. Hello, Eric, Rob, and everyone in the chat. Uh, David Spicer, I think it is. Uh, this is cool. He says, hey, Rob from Sydney, Australia. I followed and admired your work for a number of years. By the way, for those who don't know, Rob has the greatest collection of Ibanez LACs in the world. 
<laughs> thank you so much. Nice. And thank you for tuning in from Australia. That's fantastic. Single Coil Lover is here. Nice to see you here again. It's been a while. Um, let me see here. Sean Cook, any tips on a drop D with half step down? Okay, so do you have any... Uh, okay, well, let's, he's not really asking necessarily about um, uh, necessarily a D tuna. I guess maybe he is. Um do you have any detuners like most of yours are like I, 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 yeah i don't you know what i don't have them because most of my i have uh i would love to use like one of adam's things but the thing is i'm really like a a, a floating guy yeah. yeah and it's uh you know i don't know if i don't know if the technology has gone to where you could actually use it with a detuner it, you know? yeah he does actually he actually yeah. has he has two things now um and he can, he's welcome to actually he might not be able to post the um uh, links in the chat. I got to make him a moderator so he can do that. Adam, you're going to be a moderator soon. Uh, so you see a wrench, don't worry about it. It's a good thing. Um, but when I got my Kramer Pacer, um, it, it's a floating Floyd, Floyd. And I, for, I don't play floating Floyds. I, I don't like that, right? I, and I, I know that's your thing. That's cool. And a million guys out there do it really, really well. But I'm the flush guy. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to change this because it's actually very, very cool and it's making me play different. But Adam does have two products out there, and he's going to kill me for not remembering the name. But there's two products he sells that you can use. One is a spring-type device. As far as I know, the theory of it, it the, the trem won't, uh, go, it won't float back on its own, but with the slightest amount of pressure, you can still pull back. You can probably do your flutters and things like that, which will allow you to have the detuna. So I'm going to look into that and, and try that as well. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. But, um, I th and Adam has really good videos too, so you have to answer your question there. Sean, he has really good videos um, on his web, on his, uh, um, uh, oh, she, she's asking for uh, Adam's link, fu-tone.com. Um, but anyways, um, there's good videos on setting up the detuning because I think it comes from the factory set up for, for 440 tuning as far as I know. Again, Adam's going to be, he's going to, Eric, you, you know this, <laughs> he always teases me. But there's the, the fine tuning adjustment, which is very easy to tune when you uh, bring your guitar down to a uh, half step down and then you set it once you've got it set it's locked in for good so long answer for you there uh sean but i hope that uh that helps uh let's continue down as well too um uh david spicer again from australia says congratulations on a new blue buddha studio looks fresh fit uh for purpose uh, thank you so much awesome um okay this is cool uh from jmh jmha tube says favorite neck in wood and reason uh, is he saying favorite neck, uh, meaning what the wood? The, yeah, the favorite neck wood. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, I used to be, um, I used to be a rosewood guy and, uh, I started and I, you know, I, I did a, I, I did a first tour with, uh, Dave Wiener, who is, uh, another guitar, really good guitar player, good friend of mine. Okay. And, um, he was using maple necks and uh i tried it out at that time he was endorsed with ibanez and i tried it out and i was like well you know maple you know i, I had a, a, a older guitar when i was a kid and that you know then i started to think all the guitar players that i like tone uh eddie mm -hmm. uh gilmore uh richie Kotzen, uh hendrix i mean you could you, the list goes on what do they all have in common it's a maple neck so i said you know what i gotta get myself a maple fretboard and then i started like a lot of my my LECs towards the end all had maple necks on it, so I, I'm I'm either a ma I'm maple or a or a rosewood, um, and I th the reason why I ended up liking maple 
was, and I don't know, this is, I'm describing it because how I hear it, it's Mm -hmm. weird. The notes to me seem a little bit more uh, faster to hear, and they got like, like what the only thing I can describe it is it's got like a natural kind of fuzziness to the, around the notes. That's what I'm hearing. Gotcha. No, that, that makes total sense. And you know, there's, it's so funny, like you can hear these conversations you know, guys will say, "Okay, he's playing. He's playing a maple neck guitar. It's going to be bright. It'll play rosewood. It's going to be dark." I think that that whole theory has been debunked. Now, there's there's some truth maybe to it. You know, if you really want to analyze it. But here again, it goes back to that tone in the hands. I'm sure you could you could grab uh, something with a very aged rosewood and make it bright if you wanted to, and at the right. same time, you know, maple and make it dark. It is how you approach it and how you play, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is so funny, too, you talk about these woods over the years, you know, like, you know, Eddie had the the maple and all these other guys had the maple, the Hendrix had the maple. Then Eddie Van Halen comes and throws a, a curveball from left field and, and got, uh, you know, an ebony fretboard now, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that crazy? I know. Yeah. And as far as I know, the story on that one as well, too, I'm not sure if you know the story. I think that was, you know... Um, one of the old artist reps had uh, uh, for EVH Gear had kind of proposed an idea, and I'm not sure if it was if it was Chip Ellis's idea or if it was the artist rep, you know, uh, whatever. But um, passed it on to Eddie and said, "Check this out." And then Eddie played that thing and just absolutely loved it, hmm. you know. And uh, it was co- totally left field because you know all of us are copying his guitars, trying to get that look and feel. And all of a sudden, now we got this. Now we got to start making ebony. And who's who can do ebony now, right? <laughs> absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, over in the chat, Les Bellin says balance tone rocks. Yeah, and that, that is a good tone for sure. We're going to talk about that in depth tonight, and there's going to be some funny balance stories coming up as well. Uh, there's It's it's a double-edged sword in that because there's going to be a play on words and balance. We'll tell you about it soon. And for those of you that are big Rob fans, you may already know what we're talking about, but we'll save it for a little bit here. Uh, Scott Roos says sweet-looking guitar, almost Fender-like neck. Um, and we get this question a lot from different people, and this one's from Blimpa says, uh, what string gauges do you use, Rob? I am, you know... I mean, this, is a, this is a good question because a lot of people uh, associate the string gauge with tone and stuff like that, and I think that's a myth as well. I'm using nines, nines through uh, um, on bar guitars that have bars on it. I use nine through forty six. If it's a twenty two fret neck, I might do like the half nines on the top and the tens on the bottom. Okay. Anything that doesn't have a bar on it, I use tens. Um, and it's just I've been playing such a long time with this gauge, and I think as a player, especially like a player like me, most of my most of the time I'm playing lead things mm-hmm. in my band. I don't have rhythm guitar play. The bass kind of takes that over live, and uh, your hands get used to a certain gauge. So for me to start going up in gauge, it's actually going to hurt my hand. Yeah. So, so I, I'm not even going to bother. Um, but when you think about it, like a lot of these people talking about, like uh, you hear, like there's uh, there's just people that think, oh yeah, you got to play with 11s to get that tone, and yep. uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan used 11s and all this stuff. And then if you go back and like there was an article with BB King and guitar player uh, where he said they said, oh so we heard that you use like uh, 13 gauge strings and stuff. Is that your tone? And he was like. 13 gauge strings. He says, I use that at that time because that's all they made. He says, I use eights. <laughs> <laughs> Billy <laughs> you know Gibbons, I mean? too. Yeah, I mean, so look, he's got a great tone, and Billy Gibbons is the king of tone, and he's he uses like custom seven gauge. It's insane. It's insane. So, I mean, it's what's comfortable. That's right. And that's what you should use. You'd almost think that Billy Gibbons strings would come like in a dental floss package. 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'd never heard that story about BB uh, King, and that's pretty cool. Obviously, that's someone I've respected growing up. And, yeah. uh, and you know, that's, you know, and he come from humble, humble background, stuff like that, too. And, you know, maybe that, like you say, that's all he could get. Maybe that's all he could afford. Maybe that's all they had, you right. know. So, and he's probably thinking, you know, like every, a lot of people have said this, why work so hard? You know what that's I mean? That's what he said. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, so thank you for that question, Blimpus. That's awesome. Uh, let me see. Continue down the chat here as well, too. Um, um, Michael Gibbons says, Monster Guitarist. Uh, learned it all from me. Laugh out loud, he says. Is that a friend of yours? <laughs> yes. Okay, that's awesome. So that's We went to high school, yeah. Well, that's cool. Right on. Uh, we have another person joining us from the island of Grenada, um, Island Sounds. Very nice to have you. Thank, we got, you're bringing guests in from all around the world, which is fantastic. Very, very nice to see. Um, let me see here. Futon says Black Box. That's what it's called, the Black Box. So okay. I think uh, Nocturnal Butterfly is going to post uh, Futon's link. And you know what? I am, I'm going to do this right now. This make it a lot easier. Um, Adam, you are now a moderator. So Adam, if you ever want to post any of your links, I know Adam doesn't like when I do sales pitches for him, but I'm not doing sales pitches. I just, you know, I like to talk about the products I believe in. So Adam, if you ever want to post a link, you can do that now. Okay, please do. Uh, okay, no, he says you can't do the flutter with it. You can't do okay. the, you know, so that you're going to lose that. Quentin James is here uh, saying, hey, kids. Um, okay, and Sean Cook was asking about tone. Um, and Futon says half step okay with 46 and up. Okay, all right, so that works good. Good to know. Um, and Adam's clarifying that for a few people. That's really good. Um, okay, this is this is a good question. I had this debate. Who was I talking about this? Uh, this is from Island Sounds from Grenada there. Uh, says, I'd love to know what Rob thinks of seven and eight string guitars. And I'm just, before you answer that question, I just had this conversation with somebody and it's gonna, it's killing me why I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was my friend Darren Moore from Michigan. I was talking with him yesterday. He's a big EVH guy. He's getting into, he's got a lot of EVH guitars. He's getting into Kramer a lot now too, like myself. Uh, again, rediscovering. He's much younger, so he's kind of discovering for the first time. But he was talking about playing a seven-string guitar the other day at his buddy's house and he was just kind of lost on it. And I kind of am too. Uh, what is seven and eight like for you? Well, I do have a seven string. Uh, I used to have I used to have more, and I ended up getting I, I ended up getting rid of uh, stocks ones that I have, and I have a custom LA custom seven string uh, that's really nice. Um, and I usually have like a couple of seven string songs that are totally just like dedicated to that on each record, and then I use it like some almost sometimes as a layering thing in the background. Um, but I, I I do like it. it um, I don't know if I would uh, go above seven. You know, I really haven't tried an eight string yet. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't find it difficult. You know. You know. I always think it's something. You know, it's a stupid thing, but I mean, if you haven't thought of it, I just always think whatever my. If if you, everyone kind of knows their notes on the B string, mm -hmm. so on the high B. So if you keep it tuned down, like I keep it tuned to a low B. I just know that all my scales work out to be the same fingering as it would on the uh, whatever it is in the B string. It's going to be up at the top. Yeah. So it kind of makes it a little bit. If you use that kind of analysis when you're playing, you you might be able to f to see your scales better. It's a stupid thing, but if you think about it, kind of it starts to pop. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it is again. It's something to get used to on the on the hand. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. That, that muscle memory too. That okay, now there's these extra, uh, extra string or extra two strings. Like okay, this, I feel a little foreign here. What's going on? 
and also the muted, you know, the whole idea about the muted. I'm not really one of those guys that use use the thing. Yep, the so damper. Like when you when you have the the bigger neck, there's the whole muting the muting factor. If you're turned up really loud, you really got to worry about those other strings getting. Yeah. Ringing. Yeah. 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 The string dampeners and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I I um was told by Rusty Cooley when he was on the show before, and obviously he's a master of. Um, you know, seven and eight string guitars, yeah. a lot of his signature ones. And a lot of times he says what, um, I said, like, how do you write these riffs? And a lot of times, you know, those riffs wouldn't be written on a seven or an eight string guitar. They'd be written on a six string guitar and he just shifts things over and, and kind of transposes them, you know, uh, in different ways. Right. Yeah. But that's cool. That's a very fair question. And, and that's something that I'm just not a, a real fan of is, is the seven and eight. I just, I, I, I like to stick to what I know best, which is not a lot either, but you know what I mean? Your comfort zones. So, right. uh, and James Tube says, thanks for answering my question. Quentin James says, hey, um, Scott Roos says, I saw a guy, a video of a guy who made a guitar out of a shovel and it sounded awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty viral, viral <laughs> one out there. Uh, the wood tone question was correct. Um, and I think Stevie used 13s, uh, Scott Roos is saying. And Ian Thornley, who we were talking about on the show the other night, he's he just goes around his house and throws on like 12 and 13 gauge strings if he's bored for fun. Um, I, I would probably need uh, tetanus shots or some surgery on my fingers if I played a 13 gauge <laughs> guitar. You know, it's bad enough on an acoustic when you got an acoustic guitar or some thick strings. But yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Gibbons says I inverted nine gauge, which I use exclusively. Never mind that Billy guy. I'm the real Gibbons. <laughs> okay, all right. His name's <laughs> Gibbons. I love it. Never mind that Billy guy. That's awesome. Uh oh, Futon, he he has the power now. He's like, oh no, he has a range knees. He doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Adam, you can kick everybody out of here if you want. Uh, don't do that though. Um, okay, so this is good. This is a question from Les Bellin. Um, and this will uh, open up a great door for you to talk about some of your endorsements. Uh, he's asking, and you and I had this conversation off the air, but um, what amps are you rocking? He's asking. Okay, so I basically. Uh, delved into uh, a, a company for, I've been looking around for a long time I used to be endorsed with Cornford Amps um, and the company ended up kind of going out of business which is a shame and uh, I was trying to find an amp company and uh, I was playing a bunch of stuff and uh, I ended up going to the NAM show I, I've been with them about, about two years now so two years ago I went to the NAMM show and DV Mark uh, had their booth set up and I started playing through some of this stuff. Uh, and um, I ended up playing through the amp and I, and I really I really liked it. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's, I've, I had offers from other companies and I don't want to mention some of the names, but I mean, mm -hmm. I really don't like to endorse a product. I don't care if someone's throwing it at me, they're giving it to me for free or whatever. If I don't feel comfortable on it, it's not, I'm not going to use it, you know? So I really liked something about the company, and they seemed like a really good artist-friendly company, which I think is important. Uh, and they've been really cool with me. They've been behind me. Uh, I've been using the, uh, the this one called a, a Marigold uh, head, which is a Greg Howe head, which I like, which I have here. Uh, they sent me uh, a transistor, uh, very small, like 50-watt uh, head, which sounds really, really good. And I'm also using this thing, which I'm using a lot now in my live rig, which is a, it's called the multi-amp. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's like a three-channel amp, but it's you can it's 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 modeling inside it. Gotcha. Uh, um, and that's really what I've been using a lot. Um, 
as far as amps, and I use their cabinets. The cabinets are great. I mean, they're they are so light. I could pick up the two twelve with my pinky. Wow! I, it's that light, and it sounds great. Um, and um, I so I kind of delved into the modeling thing, and actually before that, I'm I'm with, and I, I see it as two separate things. I see those as heads. Mm-hmm. And then I and and now I have I've been endorsing them for a while. That atom, they're called atomic amps, but it's the pedals, mm-hmm. uh, and they're modeling pedals. And that's really that's my sound now. I mean, that's what I'm using. Um, I think it's come a long way, and, and I think that says a lot about uh, atomic, and it says a lot about DV Mark that you have somebody like me who you can see in the background. I have them in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I was endorsed with Soldano. I was endorsed with Mesa Boogie. I was endorsed with Corver. These are all like these two amp guys and i'm really digging the amplifier in the dv mark so i mean i love it that's very cool well i know this is a, a different comparison here altogether too but someone who also endorses the product is uh and i don't follow the band that well i, I have to admit it. i'm not ashamed to admit it. it's steel panther i don't know a heck of a lot about them you know i, yeah. th- I think they're doing a cool thing you know they're they're very popular and a lot of people love them yeah. satchel as far as i know he's running like you know, uh, now his new thing. He was with Kramer for a while. He's run, now with uh, Charvel, running into the atomic amplifier, and uh, he's got a tuner, and he goes to the front of house. Right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the same thing over here too, in, in the world where I, I kind of situate myself over in the uh, the Helix world. There's a, and I mean, there's there's Fractal, there's you know, there's Kemper, all those things, and uh, yeah. all of them do things really good. It's a good time for modeling for sure. Head Rush, I know Adam's got a Head Rush. He's he likes that. Yeah. Um, but more and more bands, for several reasons, are doing this. They're going to modeling because modeling is catching up to uh, to where it's pleasing. It's it's amazing. Yeah. People now like bands are not getting the expenses that they had at one time to be able to travel around the world carrying 16 Marshall back, you know, 412s. All that kind of stuff. Now, a guitar player like yourself could technically grab a, a dual bag uh, backpack with uh, two guitars in the backpack and your uh, atomic, and you could fly around the world and do a gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you know. I, listen, uh, I, I I was thinking about this and I was coming on the show because I, I mean, there's so many, you know, being an Eddie. I, I'm a Eddie Van Halen nut, and I'm sh- most of the people that are on here probably are as well. And the thing is, to me, you know, you got to think what was. When you think about when I think about Eddie Van Halen, I think about someone that's ahead of was ahead of his time, an innovator, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, people that downplay modeling, really, it's that's if you know, I'm surprised Eddie is not messing around with it now, and maybe he is, and we just don't know about mm-hmm. it because that's the you know, you it has to go somewhere. That's right, innovation. And so you wanna, you wanna, you wanna do it. I mean, if I, to me, if Jimmy Hendrix is alive, he'd be messing around with modeling right now. <laughs> I know he I would. Mean, you can't just stay and and be strictly on like old school. It's just that for for, for someone that's going to progress, you can't do that. That's right. We need innovation for sure, and we're getting to All a right. point where it's getting kind of cool. Uh, a couple of people have noticed said something, and I'm not hearing it now, but they were saying they heard some clicking, almost like a metronome. Is there a metronome running in the background or something? You know what it is? It's probably my fan. Oh, is it? I bet you that maybe that's what it is. It doesn't yeah, seem as bad now, sh- but it's okay. You, you, Let you're... me know. I'll shut it off if I need to. Okay, your fan <laughs> Your fan has good timing, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about 126 BPM, I think. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, awesome. Uh, let me see here. Continue down the chat for a second. Uh, so Scott Roos is mentioning uh, he uses 10s on his guitars. And uh, let me see here. Too much power for Adam with the uh, wrench. No problem. It's all good. Um, uh, Richard Henry says Frank Gambale swears by his multi-amp sounds awesome 
Yeah. I, I remember listening to Frank as, uh, you know, that whole shred movement back in the day, you know, through the Shrapnel Records and stuff. And Frank, I, I haven't really, I need to go back and rediscover him. It's been so long, but that was, that's, I'm glad you mentioned that name. There's so many things that are so cool about these shows going into a weekend. We get to learn some, uh, you know, guitar players that we haven't heard from in years and things like that. And I love that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do some more uh, discovery. Um, and about the cabinets, do, uh, do you use like 212 sometimes just to a single 212? Will that get you by in a gig? Uh, uh, yeah, right now, what I use now is I, I go in stereo, so I use two 212s. Okay. I'm not comp- the, the Here's the problem with me going like directly from some, the, the pedal and going into the board is uh, I, I have like this weird thing where I don't use monitors on stage. Okay. Uh, I just like to hear, and that's why I use two twelves. I don't like the stuff close to my ears because I don't want to hear the guitar, mm-hmm. and I don't want the guitar coming at me. Uh, that's why I'm wearing my Princess uh, Leia things right now. <laughs> These are actually sound canceling, so I'm really only hearing your voice through here. Okay. When I play later, it'll be coming out of the amps, but I mean, I don't like to hear it too loud. Yeah. So. If I go through the monitor, through the thing, I'm going to need to have monitors, or I guess I could have a little amp in the back. But, And I think there's a lot depends on the, the sound guy when you do that. And I'm not really that much uh, – I, I don't like to put all my eggs in, his, in that basket. I'd no. rather have control. Of course, because you might get a killer sound man that make you sound the best you've ever been, and you might get somebody who's just showed up that, that uh, they were the cook one night, and now they're the sound man because yeah. sound man's sick. Uh, and that's the thing where I think a lot of people are afraid with with modeling, and and th- they sit on the fence with this. I see it with Helix, I see it with Kemper, I see it with everybody, that they miss that that kind of I like to say it as that kick in the ass behind you, that thump of a four twelve or a two twelve, because you feel that no matter what. You may not yep. hear those frequencies, but you feel that thump. And when you're walking around on stage, you walk out of that thump zone. All of a sudden, you don't hear yourself or feel that anymore. You get you try to get back to that spot again, and you feel that thump, and then you're back in the zone. So I think that's very cool. But there's another related question to that, too. Sean says, um, do they have stereo bridge cabs? Stereo bridge? So that what is that with... Uh so I'm thinking, if, I'm thinking maybe he's referring to like if they were powered and they're stereo bridged, uh, but you're not, they're not powered anyways. You're sending a power amp to those. Uh, I'm sending a power amp to them, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so there you go. Um, Tesla Troop says, uh, you have an impression, uh, an impressive collection of pedals, which we can see off to the side here, which is very cool. Uh, do you have a few that uh, you, uh, let me see that again. Do you have a few that have uh, had your back for years? So in other words, something that's been in your, in your wheelhouse for a real long time. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the, the, the MXR, the, the, uh, which I have actually hooked up for later because you can't play in anything without it. So All I right. have, a, you know, the Phase 90, of course. Um, I have, uh, you know, the my old SD1, you know, Overdrive. Nice. Uh, boss, which is also an Eddie thing that he used at one point. That's true. Yeah. Yes. He did that for cable runs, right? Because he, uh, he needed almost like a buffer because long cable yes. runs, he wanted just a little bit of a impedance boost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have, um, let's see what else. And I, and I have like a, a, a I'm a big uh, fan of uh, Keeley pedals. So I have a lot of Keeley stuff that okay. he that he did for me. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I saw on your uh, on your website, which we have the link in the description here as well too. But I saw in your photo gallery, you've got a lot of Keeley modded ones, which are really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he does. He does some good stuff. Uh, great stuff. Um, Island Sound says Empress is one of my favorite songs and I was wondering what inspired you to write the song 
and whether you might be releasing tabs and a backing track to the song and other songs you've written. Now, I did see something on your website about some backing tracks available, but I'll let you handle that question. Yeah, all right. So, um, Empress is uh, is off my uh, Color Light record, and, and that song was actually inspired. It was written for my wife. Her name is Karina. Um, so that's uh, the inspiration behind that song. And I, people that, that are familiar with me know, and people that don't know, I'll let you guys in on like what, what my kind of thing is. Like Each of my songs, even though it's instrumental to me, I sort of have a process. And each song like, has uh, is something that it's about, or it's there, there's some sort of inspiration behind each song. And I kind of make it to the sense that it's not just like guitar noodling. It's almost like a, the guitar is the vocal over it. And that's what I try and do. Um, and uh, as far as the, the transcription, I have, I have a cool announcement. That's the first time I'm really saying it. Um, and I think it's a Canadian company as well. It's a company called Sheet Happens. Okay. I haven't heard of them. They, uh, uh, it's a publishing company, and they're actually going to it's, – it's, it's all done. They're actually going to do My Color of Light record. So I'll definitely be posting when that's going to happen. It's all done. They're just working on the layout. Um, and you will be able to, it's going to come in phys- physical format, also digital format, where you'll have the transcription and it will play for you. And I will have, I'll be selling backing tracks in conjunction with the release of that for that whole record. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I like, the, I like the name, uh, Sheet Happens. That's kind of cool. Real play yeah. words. That, that's cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Sean Cook says, um, I'm going to have to convince me against analog. And here's the thing, too. You don't necessarily have to. When you do, when you jump into the modeling world and every manufacturer that's manufacturing these cool products out there will tell you, um, I mean, at least most of them will, you don't necessarily have to go down that rabbit hole and throw everything else out and leave it there. Uh, these, these things are so good to, to work and integrate into your analog rigs, whether you're going to run stuff like in a four cable method. Um, I mean, I think modeling is to the point today, and I, I can honestly say this, and I was a guy who who hated modeling to death. You could not get me to do anything modeling. And now I've gone, uh, you know, 80% full, full on. Um, you can integrate it with it for a cable method. You can run stuff in the effects loop. You can run to the front of it. You can use it as a standalone. So it plays nice with this gear and you'd be surprised what it can do for you. And sometimes, you know, buddy wants you to come over and uh, fill in for a gig and you've got no space for even a 112 cabinet on the stage. As long as you can put a small pedal board on there, <clears throat> excuse me, you're good. So it's, uh, well, you know, you know, it's it's funny you say that because basically what I do is, I re- I'm really using whatever modeling I'm using. I'm using for the amp sound and the delay sound, but everything else that I use, I actually use physical. So I'm not using a modeled tube screamer. I actually put the I like combining the analog effects with the amp, and I think it, it's a cool combination and it's com- kind of combining the best of both worlds yeah for sure and a lot of guys do that which is very cool because there's some of these things where they just can't let go of that you know the real tube screamer or the real you know vintage uh boss you know model delay model delay analog delay and so there's you know a lot of these um processors now i'm not 100 familiar with atomic but i i did look on their website yeah they, do. Yeah, they have effects loops and here's where people get scared you know say well you don't want to run this in an effects loop 
don't think of as an effects loop. What these things do is they allow them as switchers. So basically, right. all you're doing is turning on a loop, which is essentially a switcher. Now it's going to put a phase 90 in front of your amp where it belongs, you know, or, or you know, a delay technically in a, in a loop or a reverb in a loop. So it's really cool how that stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. They all they all think about the analog guys because 90, 90% of the, the their customers are analog people exploring something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back over here to the chat one second here. Um, uh, okay, Nocturnal Butterfly sharing our links. Um, let me see here. I'm trying to think if I missed anything else. Painkiller says he uses nine gauge strings. Uh, Matt Harrison is here saying, hey, all late to the party. Is that Ivan as AZ? So yes, indeed. And Matt, you're going to get to see Rob play that here in just a little bit. I'm going to go over to one more question, and then he's going to treat us to some, actually, some great riffage. Uh, we'll come back to the chat here in a second as well, too. Um, the question I had for you, so, you know, this is probably the last related Van Halen question, unless something comes up in the chat. So, you know, Eddie's been, you know, associated with some great companies over the years and put, put, put all of them on the map, you know, working with Kramer. Um, you know, we're going there and coming out with the iconic 5150, uh, and just everybody in their next door neighbor copied that guitar moving over to Ernie ball, um, you know, with the signature guitar, which a lot of people are, you know, highly, uh, seeking those guitars over to PV, which, um, I like a lot as well too. And then, you know, eventually now is forming his own company, um, and under the EVH gear umbrella, what are your thoughts? What was, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, even though some people say you're wrong, but you're not wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's your opinion. What brand of the guitar did you think was the coolest thing when Eddie finally came up with it? Or was associated with it? I, I, have, I, have, two, I have two things about the, about the uh, two favorites. I think, f- first off, I, I like the Music Man uh, version of the 5150. Yeah. And I like the new version of the of that the, the EVH brand under Fender, and uh, I, I could give you two reasons why. I think for both scenarios, the Music Man. I think I, th- I just think that Music Man makes quality instruments no matter what they're doing. So those guitars were going to be nice anyway because those guys make such great stuff. Mm-hmm. And this having Eddie involved with it made it that much better. Um, as opposed to now with the EVH stuff, it's the same same thing. You have Fender behind it, which, come on, uh, you know, they're, they're a great company. Mm-hmm. And EVH, I think, is more involved now than he ever was. So those two mixes, I think that's why those two guitars are stand out. I, I like that. That's a very good analogy. And I, I think you're very on the money when you're talking about him being more involved ever now than ever before. And I really think, you know, I've had this conversation with other people. I was on the uh, Dave and Dave and Chain podcast. They were asking my opinion on, you know, Van Halen, you know, if they're going to be doing more touring, whatever. And they said they, it seems like Eddie's more focused on the guitar manufacturing and, and things like that. And I said, I, I, I can see that. And I, I think he's not only he's he's in a home now where he can continue to make products that he's always wanted his whole life. They're his products. And he's also kind of setting up a legacy for his family. You know what I mean? Um, and a, a long legacy. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's certainly not a, a bad move. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So let's take let's take a break here from some of the questions. I'm going to flag where we left over in the chat from uh, uh, Matt Harrison. And you can uh, just improv to your heart's content and um, and give us a little bit of taste of uh, some of those riffs. All right. Well, listen, I, I, this is a the this is an EVH thing. So I was thinking, like, what should I do? Like, I got to be honest with you. I was never like a note for note guy. That's OK. Uh, and when I was a kid, like 14, I started to 
learn some songs. So I was like, you know, should I go over it? And you know what? I purposely, because I, it's just the way I am, I kind of like to do things off the cuff. Yep. I'm just going to like, I'll play you some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite little things that I know of some of the Van Halen stuff. Totally fine. No one's going to judge. All right. So here we go. You guys are going to know the songs, so I don't have to say it. <laughs> That's insane. I love it. That's great. I messed up. I messed up a couple of things, but it's all right. Hey, man, that's, no, that's totally fine. And how often do you get to do floating, uh, floating chem with EVH, right? I know. <laughs> that's great. I, I love that neck on that guitar. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's one of my you know there's a lot of songs off that record. Like uh, I only know that that main this main riff, but it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, here, let's see. It's a cool riff. Out of love again. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, that was one of the first ones I learned as well, too. It's very, very cool. And the Dave's screaming vocals over top of that. That's pretty awesome. And then I like, uh, let me see. Let's see if I mess this one up. That's a treat. Women in love. That's a treat. The harmonics are great on that. Good job, man. Yeah, no, I like that stuff. I mean, that, that that record. You know, there's so much good stuff on that record. Um, you know, a lot. And again, like a lot of stuff. Like from a kid, when you learn that stuff, uh, the the energy. Like I was saying before, the energy of uh, Eddie and stuff. You know, like even though I'm I 
I'm not really like I was never those guys. Like I used to be in a cover band. We used to do songs. Mm-hmm. I used to like get the main riffs, and then I would just do with that whatever, wherever I wanted. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, but that kind of stuff really like um, uh, kind of like influenced you know some of my writing. Like this is to me, this is like very VH. I'll play a little bit of a. I have a song called Friction. Okay. Take a listen to it. It's definitely some influences in there. It's sure. like uh, I'll play a little bit of the riffs. It's like. Uh, <laughs> got that flair you know oh you can you can hear it you you can hear that there is some influence there for sure i mean first of all it's it doesn't sound like any but you can tell that there is you know that vibe was there and a good yeah. riff by the way fantastic riff and nice. that and that phase 90 always just sounds nice on everything doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah. see now so what do you think of the tone that that tone like this is like what i was trying to get on this was i knew i was going to be kind of playing this stuff so i kind of like it's my it's one of my presets but it definitely to me is is definitely has that kind of sound to it oh, that I think it sound to it you got it that's that's good you know, it's basically like a it's basically like a Bogner type of yep. sound and I have uh, you know I have that uh, EP booster on which gives you that uh, that bassiness that used that he was getting like from the echoplex mm-hmm. so what watch it with the different tiers without it I'll put the echo pl- the EP booster on. Just a little break up in the in the low end. Now where's your where's your gain set, where's your gain set on that pedal? At zero? It's at it's like this. Okay, yeah, exactly. And you know what? Yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I have it as well too. And and I've tried it every in every configuration, but I'm running it right now through the I see it behind me, the fifty one fifty hundred watt. Yeah. I'm um I'm running it through the loop. And it's right. always on. It's an always on pedal that that never comes off. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, okay, b- before you had it, your amp sounded great, and then you turn it on, and now it's a pedal where you almost need to break the knob so you can't turn it off because it yeah. always has to be on. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I mean, like I do, like you know, something like that, and I actually have a a hand wide tube screamer that I have, in, like just for a little bit more, uh, a little more grip. I mean, I turn that on when you when you need it. Yeah, the the harmonics jump out a little easier. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. No, you definitely got a Van Halen sound going on right there. So if anyone was a Van Halen, uh, you know, aficionado and wanted to get the tone from the gear that you're using, it you just proven right there that it can be done. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. Thank you for treating us to that. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's w- wicked. Um, there was a question here. Let me see here. Oh, Quentin James says the feel of my two four twelves uh, calves were epic. He used to have, uh, he had like the Mesa steel steel grill. You know the old real steel grill Mesa calves back in the day, and he had a massive fridge rack like all of us had back in the eighties. That's pretty cool. That's how he. <laughs> that's one of the ways he hurt his back carrying some of this stuff. 
Yeah. I, and that's another reason why it's, it's kind of nice for some of this modeling stuff today. It's one thing to roll out on stage looking like we own the place, but it's another thing to, and not all of us have roadies, but it's nice to go home without a back injury at the end of the night too. <laughs> you know, it sure is. I mean, where yeah. do you, where do you draw the line between looking cool and actually being able to stay vertical for a long time, right? I know. Yeah. I used to. I when I was a kid, uh, we, I used to always bring the the two marshals. And my dad used to take. I started gigging at fourteen. My dad used to take me. He used to have to take me to all the shows and carry all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's we've come a long way, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, and I think for some people, it's it's hard to even let that go. As much as I know how much that sucks carrying that gear, now we just now you go out there and you see these clean stages. You don't even see an amplifier on there. I mean, big big acts, world renowned acts like Metallica and, and you know everybody these days practically. You know, and if they're using cabs, they're they're just there for show in some cases. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're hollowed out cabs. You know, yeah, my my pedal board now, my pedal board just seems to be getting smaller. I'm using one of those. It's on the shelf of you, but it's I'm I've been basically using that mini, uh, that mini uh, those mini port uh, pedal board. Yeah, and I have I have a, I have a, uh, what do I have on there? A Univibe. I have a overdrive pedal. I have a uh, Phase ninety mm-hmm. and a Tube Screamer, and, a, and then a off off of it I have a wah pedal. Yeah, and that's that's all I use. Yeah, that's nice too, because I mean, and not a lot of people can do that either. So first of all, that's that's a, a hat. I mean, a feather in your hat as well too, because a lot of guys need some of these, you know, modulations, delays, courses, reverbs, all you know, stereo, wet, wet, dry, wet I, stuff. So not everybody can just play um, raw like that. So that's pretty cool yeah. too, and it's more simplistic, less to go wrong, and possible a little bit less tone degradation. Uh, yeah, throughout yeah. too. Well, you know what I learned? I learned that. Uh, for, for this this is how I got used to doing this is rehearse you know when I rehearse at my bands a lot of times we're not go, we're going to a rehearsal space in New York City or something or we go uh, my drummer has a spot and it's really whatever they have that you have to use right. so uh, I would be able to play through anything I, and I would just you know who wants to carry on the stuff I'd bring an overdrive pedal what do I need my overdrive my wah maybe a phase and a chorus, which is the Univibe. You can use this both. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I would use for the rehearsal. I'd be able to play all my stuff. Then I was like, why am I taking all this other stuff? If I could do it here, I could do it anywhere. That's right. You know, so you get used to it. That makes total sense. And you, yeah. you hit on a good topic right now where you're talking about playing with the band and rehearsing and stuff like that, too. My next question for you was, tell us a little bit about the band, how you described earlier, too, like you're the only guitar player. So um, kind of like Van Halen, you know, Michael Anthony right. had to pick up the slack. Uh, and I, I love that, actually. I, as much as it's cool hearing bands, you know, with two and three guitar players just layering that stereo sound, I also like it, too, where, you know, it's, it's left up to the imagination. Bass players now carrying some of these really cool rhythm parts. Tell us about your band, the guys that you work with, and, yeah. and how it works so successfully for you. Well, I, listen, I got, I got, you know, you're only as, uh, you're only as good as the people that that uh, that's around you, and uh, you know, the guy, my, the guys might be on a great. I have a my drummer. His name is Kenji Tajima. Uh, he's been with me for a while, and I know him for a while. Um, and the the bass player is Andrew Golba, and um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 Andy's like, is like the Superman because he's got to like take the place of you know the rhythm guitars and do the bass stuff because like i when i write in the studio and i write stuff to me it's two separate things mm-hmm. and that's who i'm fans of you know and again i'm not comparing myself to these groups i'm just, it's just the, the the musical arrangements led zeppelin when they went to the studio they had how many guitar tracks all this stuff on it uh 
you know, Jimi Hendrix was in the studio, who had all the stuff, but then when you saw them live, it was three people, trio, you know, doing most of the stuff, and then it was a different experience, and that's what that's what I like to see at live shows. If I wanted to see and listen to this to the record, I would put on the record. I want to see something different. Right. So my stuff is totally different live, and I, and I think that's what makes it exciting. Not only it makes it exciting for people listening, I think, but it's it's also exciting for me because we have the room to not do everything exact. Yeah. And depending and on how depending on how you're interacting with the crowd that particular night too, you might go off on a different tangent. You know yeah. what I mean? And sometimes that's hard to do if you're following it. You know, like uh, you know, almost like playing to a to a click track or a backing track. Now there's right. room for improv, and some of the best magic can probably um, be a result from that. Yeah. Wicked. Well, that's really good. Well, thank you for sharing that. A couple more comments over in the chat as well, too. Matt Harrison says, Robert Keeley is awesome, uh, super talented builder. And he also mentions, mentions uh, Sheet Happens does great tab books. They come in a ring binder, so they'll stay open on your music stand. That's cool. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, and uh, Jason Jesk, Jesky, or Jesk, um, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, says, I hated modeling as well, but Helix changed the game for me. Still love my 5150, but so many options and convenience with the Helix. The tone is so consistent, sounds the same every day. Uh, Sean Cook says, oh, that's a good statement, Jason. Thank you. Uh, Sean Cook says, this is a me question, but I would really like to know if Rob has played with different tone woods and has a perspective. He says he's taking a leap of faith on Karina. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I basically, listen, I'm, I'm, I was fortunate enough to have a, I have a long relationship with Ibanez Guitars. I've been with them for, this year is 26 years, actually. Nice. Congratulations. S thank you. Um, and, you know, listen, I, I, I was a kid when, and I started playing them and then, you know, to me it's the, it's, you know, to all players, you know, when you get endorsed by the company that you're a fan of, it's a big deal. So, you know, I, and I, and I always, you know, to me, you, you, you know, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that I, I have this and, you know, when I was thinking about it and I was able to get guitars built custom, I was like, wow, I was like, I don't know how this is long this is going to last. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe uh, I wanted to try and make every guitar different, you know, so I would experiment. So like the first two guitars, and this is a, it's a, it's a Van Halen thing. The first two guitars were basswood body with maple tops, curly maple, and then the other was a flame maple. And the reason why I did that was because the, those Music Man guitars were bass, basswood with a maple top, and I played it, and I liked the tone. Okay. So I said, hey, they're doing me a custom guitar. I'm going to do that wood combination. And that was my favorite for a long time. Um, but I think as your ear develops, you kind of you start to want to experiment. So then I, you know, I ended up getting an, uh, um, an Ash guitar because uh, back to when it goes back to Eddie Van Halen again, that the first Frankenstein is Ash. Okay. And that sounds and and ash is a magical is a magical wood. I'm telling you, I have two ash guitars and they sound so cool. And you know, with maple necks, and a lot of people think that it's going to be trebly, but it's not. It's really like ash with a maple neck to me, with no 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 top. So not a, it's just solid ash. Mm -hmm. Has really the best of everything. It has very nice low end. It has high end, and it has some really cool upper mids in there. Uh, so it's a really cool tone wood. Okay. Um, and you just got to get used to it. Right. Uh, um, and then, you know, uh, lately now my big thing is I, I started to like alder. Uh, so that this guitar is alder. 
and I have a purple uh, LAC that they did for me, which is just alder, no top, with maple neck. Um, a lot of people like to do the alder and the ashes with the maple top. To me, and it's really guitar guitar companies are doing it not for the tone. Guitar companies do for it because it, the top looks nice. Right. Uh, I actually think that the alder sounds better by itself, and so does the ash without the the, the maple tops. Okay. Well, very good analogy. I, I have one guitar here that I think is alder, and I feel bad. I don't know actually for sure if it is. It's um, and it has an Ibanez connection. It's a Yamaha Pacifica 921, and I and it was uh, you'd know this fellow because you've been you've been working so long with Ibanez. If I get his name correctly, Rich Lasner. He was uh, one of the luthiers. Yes. Yeah. One of the luthiers at Ibanez, and then he went over to, or he had some conjunction with Yamaha back in the day, but he made that nice cutaway, which was, you know, really nice on the back of the neck. And I'm pretty sure the Pacific I have is an alder body, but it, it's heavy. It's heavy. I'm going to research that for sure, and some of the guitar fans in the in the chat can correct me, and I'm, trust me, I'm not afraid to be uh, proven wrong, but I think it's alder. But that's really cool. And here's a question I've never asked any guests on the show, and this is just a theory. I want to ask your opinion. So a lot of people criticize sometimes, they'll say to Eddie, oh, Eddie's only making all these guitars with basswood because it's cheaper to produce. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't know what the manufacturing costs are between this and this and that. But what is your thought on Eddie choosing the basswood? Basswood, the, the reason why basswood is chosen, and you could say that about, you know, look, you, you buy the, you know, the, the latest Sir guitar, which is $5,000, and it's friggin' basswood. I mean, mm -hmm. the, pro the reason why a lot of companies are choosing basswood is because basswood is a type of wood that it has a, a, a re if you look at the scope of the, of the sound, like if you were to look, uh, if you were to look at it like on a graph, mm -hmm. it's got, it's, it's, it's like I was saying before, it's got like a good bottom end, it's got good sustain, uh, and it's got, and it's a light. Uh, so a lot of people started doing it because of that. Okay. Uh, and the basswood with the maple top, I do like. Okay. Because it gives you a little bit more of a high end, coupled with the the other the warmth of the basswood. So those two combinations are good. I think uh, Eddie, I think is, uh, you know, uh, listen, I, I I only met him once, and I you know I don't know him, but to me he seems like the type of person that's making he's making the stuff that way because he likes the way it sounds mm -hmm. it doesn't it could be plywood if it was plywood and he liked it that's what the guitars are gonna be <laughs> <laughs> that's right no that's you really know? good i appreciate you giving me that that response because i've never asked that and i I, I, sh I should do that more often i want to ask people's opinion on that but i, I agree with you too because like i've got several of the P usa pv wolfgangs you know a basswood body with a beautiful maple top and then obviously now too with uh, with his own brand, he's doing the same thing again. And uh, it shows if he's continuing to do that, it's something that he he wants. That's his sound, you know. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's it's his it's his shtick now. So yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, I want to get into another question here in a second. Uh, actually, we're going to talk about uh, meeting Eddie. That's going to lead up to that one in a second too. But something I think is a really cool story that you can share with us. Number one. Um, you had the honor of being on uh, Steve Vai's record label. And Steve Vai is another guitar player. You know, we talk about Eddie Van Halen, obviously, religiously here on this program. But uh, other guitar players that pop up occasionally, Slash, his name comes up. Joe Satriani, probably one of my yeah. second favorite guitar players. Uh, I'd say probably on my list after Eddie. Steve Vai, I love to death, too. But, I mean, Steve, now, you were on his label, um, and you have three out of five um, records yeah. on his label. So tell us yeah. how that became... 
um, how you, you know, got on that label and what it's been like for you being on that label. And my second, it's a double, double edged question here. Um, Steve is also, I was watching some interviews where he has like literally praised you. Uh, you know, guitarists have to have certain key elements and he says, Rob has it. So first tell us about getting on the label and how that's worked for you. And then tell us what it's like to hear words of praise from someone you've idolized your whole life. Well, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough. This is a kind of uh, is a cool story with Steve. Steve basically, I, in the, in uh, I used to work at uh, at, a rec- at the record company, which was Relativity Records, Import Records, cool. when I was straight out of college, um, and it's around the time that Flexible came out, and. Uh, so I, I was familiar with, you know, I was a fan of Steve's work, and it was great. I was working at that label, and there was a couple of times where I got to meet him, and so he was able to put, like, my face with a name, and uh, then years later, you know, he, he started to, he came out that he was going to be starting his own record label, and it was going to be distributed through the, the company that I was working at. Okay. So uh, I was like, wow, and I released my first record, Balance, which was released through the same company, uh, which was distributed through Sony, which his label was going to start to be distributed through. So I was like, wow, you know, and it, and it was a long period. I had the second record done and I was like, I need to find a label and I was searching around and uh, Steve all of a sudden, this thing that came up that he was going to re- do something. So I sent him an email and I said, uh, I, I have a record that's done, you know, you know, what's going on with your label? Can we, can I send it to you? So he was like, uh, listen, he says, I'm just starting this. And he said, uh, let's wait a little bit. Give me, give me a, send me another email in a couple of weeks. And I said, all right. So I sent him another email. I said, send it through. So I sent the thing through and, uh, this is a true story. And, uh, he, he, he sent me an email back and he's like, uh, listen, he says, Rob, I'm, uh, I'm getting, you wouldn't believe how many tapes I'm getting. And uh, he said, uh, I don't know if, uh, if you know, if this is something that I'm going to be able to release at, the, at this time. And I said, all right. I said, and I wrote it back. I was honest. I was a little like ticked and I was like, all right. I said, I was like, listen, I was like, I've been working in this, in the industry that he's opening in the record business. I said, listen, you're going to get, and not that I was like toot my own horn. I said, you're going to get a lot of stuff. And I said, I'm confident in what I sent you. And I said, you'll see when you get the other stuff that you're probably going to like mine. This is what I said. So That's cool. That, that happened. I said the thing and I was like, all right, whatever. A couple of months later, he got back in touch with me. He was like, I read, listen to your CD. And he says, let's release, let's do a test release in Europe. And I was like, all right. Fantastic. Uh, so that was the start of it. That was the my second record mantra. And we released it in... Uh, Europe and that was released in Japan and then we did it worldwide and then the two records after that we kind of did the same thing and so I listen I to me you know it was it was awesome because it was his label but also just because the he really did the label out of love for the instrument mm-hmm. uh, and he there was so many you know I was on you know Eric Johnson was releasing the record Steve Luca that had something out on there uh, you know all these like incredible players and you know so me just being associated with that was was you know enough to like I could die you know what I mean that's it I did I, I got something done 
<laughs> I, I almost feel like he was testing you to see if you actually believed in yourself as well, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, yeah. you saying, look, man, you're going to like my stuff. You're going to like it. You know, as some yeah. people might just say, here, take it and run away and hide. You know, so I, I think that's pretty cool the way you approached it. Yeah. And then now, so, of course, too, he's uh, in, in uh, several different interviews. He's actually gone on the record to say, you know, Rob has that thing. You know, it takes a certain I, I don't want to quote him because I'm going to get it wrong. But he said something along the lines of, you know, first of all, you have to have the technical ability and then you have to be able to have I forget how he phrased this, but it was such a beautiful statement. Maybe you can tell a little bit better than I can. I'm sure you yeah, can. I think it was he said something in the sense that uh, you have to have the technical ability, the the. Uh, emotional investment that's it that's it emotional investment yeah. yes. um and there was one other thing i mean and no it's true i, I mean when he uh, that he did like this uh i released an instructional dvd and he did like this interview before it he was only supposed to do like a couple of questions and do an intro and he ended up doing like this 20 minute interview where he said all this <laughs> this crazy stuff when, when i heard it i was like oh my god you know i was like i rem- i remember i was so like i was so you know proud that that this happened i remember you know it, it, uh, I want to bring it up because my mom not passed not too long ago, but I remember playing it for my mother, and uh, she knew uh, Steve as well, and she was like, uh, she started crying. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" She says he's saying such nice things about you, and she goes, "It's so, I'm so happy that you know he he believes that, you know what I knew all along." Well, <laughs> I was I'm, like, "Thanks, well <laughs> I'm really happy for your mom that she lived long enough to to hear that about her boy. That's yeah. pretty that's pretty awesome. She, proud yeah. proud mom moment for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's very cool. My mom was very, very influential and very uh, important to my musical career as well, too. So nothing wrong with being a mama's boy a little bit. Yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. You know, the second part of your question where you were saying about like how it feels and stuff. I mean, to be honest with you, it's like there is I'm lucky enough that uh, I was able to get him to say some nice stuff. and And I'm fortunate enough to have met some other players you know, that uh, seem to like what I do. And to me, it's really, you know, the industry is is such a hard industry. And I, I've mm-hmm. been doing this so long. And the, the record industry, the music business, that we all know has changed. Yep. So the thing is, really, the only thing that, that keeps you going is the motivation and the love of what what I do. And so hymns like when somebody when I hear him say that, you know, sometimes I, I have to I, you go you get discouraged with the whole industry mm-hmm. going back and listening to that always gives me a little bump like, you know, hey, I got to I got to keep going. You know what I mean? It gives you the motivation. I, I like that. And the fact that he said uh, emotional investment. Now, there's there's many people out there. We see them on YouTube every day. All these super shredders. Um, and they can shred, but they don't have the emotional investment and that you have it. That's fantastic. And I just have to say this quickly as well too. Richard Henry, uh, just did a 499 super chat. So thank you, Richard. I appreciate that. Uh, super, super nice. And you've talked about your, um, your DVD as well too. And there's a question in the chat. David Spicer says, uh, check out a Rob's instructional DVD outstanding amongst many, many other similar offerings. So fantastic. And I'm starting to get some slowness here on the screen too. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, doesn't continue. Uh, let's continue down the chat. I'm, I'm not sure if Richard said something here as well too. I want to go see if I can find that. Um, he says, uh, "Thanks, guys. Going to have to check out the rest of this later. Up for work in four hours. Thank, thanks, guys. So thank you so much for watching, Richard, and staying thank up you. so late. And also uh, for that 4.99 super chat. That was very kind of you. Uh, let's go back up a little bit here as well too. We've got about 15 minutes left in the program." 
Uh, let me see here. Um, so Sean Cooks is, is saying Unchained for you to play Unchained, but you, you're not going to drop D. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that one for another day. Um, Matt Harrison says, very nice. Blimpus says, just amazing. Um, a lot of people love that. Ron Padgett's here saying, Rob always has killer tone. Um, Thank you. Oh, here, this is cool. Uh, from Futone, from Adam says, cool note, Rob played right now at my 50th birthday party in New York City and killed it. Yes. That's the only time I learned a... Uh a, a Sammy Hagar tune. Okay. To be honest with you, I remember the stuff from 14. If you asked me to play that song now, I wouldn't be able to play it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I love that tune as well, too. So thanks, Adam, for reminding us about that. Um, and I think a couple other people jumping in here as well. And actually, I want to say hi to my grandson. My actual young grandson is watching. Uh, B-Man22 saying hi to everybody. Uh, Zach Thong is here. Hey, Eric and Rob. Nice to see you, Zach. The Law, Jamie Trevino is here saying, hey, guys. Uh, Marcello Vieira is here, watching from my smartphone, Eric. Very good transmission. He's over in uh, Italy, and he's doing some Spanish-speaking uh, demos for us here on EVH and Gear TV nice. as well, too. He did a, a good one a while back, and he's got another one up on, a, on the Phase 90, what we're talking about. And um, even though there's many demos out there, there's hardly any in, in Spanish language. So uh, I'm sharing those on my channel. So thank you as well, Marcello. I appreciate that. Um, and, and Sean Cook says, I have no problem with someone carrying my stuff. Um, uh, here's here's a, one last question from Island Sound says besides Ibanez what other uh, guitar brands do you like I'm sure we all endorse certain brands but we obviously have other brands in the house you got any couple others that are real special to you you gotta be I gotta be honest with you I have 20 29 guitars they're hanging up on the walls they're, I have they're all Ibanez the only guitar that's not an Ibanez is my godmother when I was uh, 13 years old bought me a Gibson The Paul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. That, that wood guitar. Yeah. That's that's the only other guitar that I, and the brand that I have. Okay, that's that's totally fair. Totally. Uh, yeah, I'm an Ibanez nut. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. Um, so I want to share. A lot of people are looking forward to this story. Um, so let's go back to balance. We've been we've been hinting at this word balance all night long. Um, so there's a connection between Van Halen and you. In the 1995 era. So tell, tell us about this story, how this all came about. I'm going to let you just set the whole thing up. All right. So basically, what what uh, it's it goes back to what I was saying before. I was actually working at a record label, and there was a band that we had on the label, which was called Our Lady Peace. A Canadian band from my guys yeah. up here. Yes. And uh, they had the opening spot for Van Halen on the Balance Tour in Jones Beach Theater here in New York City. So here's the thing. I came out with a record and I called it Balance. And the thing is, it came out before theirs. So that's the funny thing. And, okay. and I'll bring what happens later. So I was like, all right, I, I'm going to go to this. I want to go to the show. And uh, it just so happened that, you know, the, there was a guy at the record label that had, and I, listen, I've never, I, I be, this was my first time that I ever got like an all access pass. The guy was the A&R guy, and he came over to me. He says, Rob, you're a guitar player. He says, listen, I can't go tonight. Just take this pass and go to the theaters. And I was like, I don't need a ticket. He says, no, just just take the thing. Go up to the door. Don't worry about it. So I was like, all right. So he gives me the pass, this thing, you know, you, you know, yep. the laminate. I go, my, my uh, at that time, it was my, uh, my girlfriend at the time drops me off. I go up to Jones Beach Theater, and I was like, I don't know. I, was, I remember talking, and I was like, I don't have a ticket. <laughs> it says to go up to the, so I go up to the door. 
I show him the uh, the, the pass. The guy goes, come in. And I was like, well, where do I go? He says, just keep walking towards the front. I was like, all right. So I'm walking up Jones Beach. I get to the stage area. They said, yeah, go go through. So I, I go backstage. And I'm like freaking hanging there. And like, I was like, wow, this is cool. There was beer. There was food. So I was eating, hanging out. And then I started to see like, you know, people that I knew from the industry because I'm a guitar player. There was the guy from Guitar Player that reviewed my record, came over. And he was nice. like, hey, Rob. I was like, hey, what's going on? I saw him. And then... The guy that was their road manager, his name was Bob Dates at the time. He was with them for a long time through the Sammy years. Okay. He was working at the record label doing dual jobs at the label, and then he was the Van Halen guy. Okay. So when Van Halen went on the road, he took off from the label. So he knew me. So he comes backstage. He's like, Rob, I was happy to see somebody because to be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you kind of need like, some company. I was by myself. Yeah. So he's like, um, he was like joking with me. He goes, Balducci, uh, you doing anything at the moment? I was like... No, I'm sitting here by myself. He says, why don't you come with me? So I was like, all right. And like, I I, I had a feeling I was, something was going to happen. So I, I always would carry a bag and I would have CDs with me. So we go into the, uh, he takes me and he's, I was like, sure, where are we going? He says, just follow me. So he goes in, knocks on this door. We go in and it's Eddie, Eddie and Alex shared a dressing room. It was their dressing room. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty so, tight. Yeah, so we go in, we walk in the room, and there was actually like a full drum set in there. A Alex is playing, Eddie's like noodle on the guitar, and, and this guy Bob goes, Hey guys, I want you to meet a really good friend of mine, and he, and he goes, Eddie, he's a really good guitar player, you gotta meet this guy, his name is Rob Baldici. So I go over there, Eddie comes up to me, shakes my hand, Alex just steps up behind the drum and says, Hey Rob, what's up? So we're talking, and I was like, uh, you know, we said a couple of things, that, listen, I wish... You know, it was the day now of the phones. I would have pictures and yeah. everything. So uh, he goes, uh, I was like, do you mind, uh, Eddie? I said, listen, you're a big fan of mine. He's like, oh, he says, thank you so much. He was really cool. And, he, and I was like, do you mind if I give you a CD? So he goes, uh, no, not at all. So I take it out and I give it to him. And he looks at it. He says, balance. <laughs> and I was like, I had it friggin' first. <laughs> so he's like, oh, he's like, oh, wow. He says, this is funny. And I was like, yeah, he says, no problem. You know, and then it was like, you know, the, another guy came in and, and it was like five minutes before they were going on. So the, the guy was like, oh, this, we got to go. And I said, all right. So I start walking out and all of a sudden Alex screams, what am I effing wood? Meaning that I didn't give him one. So I, I was like, I would go back in and I had another one. So I said, here. So I give him the CD and as I'm walking out the door, he yells again, Alex. He goes, get an effing singer. Oh. <laughs> he must have looked at the thing and saw there was just a... You know, no singer was instrumental. Right, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, so he actually and, wanted it. Yeah, yeah. No, then, then like, the cool thing about it was I, I ended up seeing Alex later, and he actually was like, he was like pretty cool about the CD. He came back up to me and he was like, uh, wow, he says, you know, this is like a weird vibe. He says, he says, even if you look at the, uh, the, what do you call it? The, the, the print of yep. the, he says, it's very similar. He says, we're sort of like in the, we got the same waves, vibes going on. Yeah, like, par oh, parallel cool. universe, parallel universe kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very cool. They were very nice. That is so very cool. <laughs> what a fantastic story. I just story. wish I had, like, you know, it was the digital age and I had my camera. Yep. But you know what, though? Sometimes that memory that you're going to have, it may change over the years. But you, that, that, you're, you have that locked away for the rest of your life. That'll never go away. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, if people don't believe your story, who cares? You you were there. You lived it, and uh, th that'll never go away. That's that's a really really cool story. Yeah. You know, I I just now you know and you know now that you know 
after the fact, wouldn't you be able to get you soak it all in? I remember like going in, and the dressing room was like it was kind of cool. It was like they had their own little thing set up, and they would just kind of jam it back there. It was kind of cool. That's really that. That'd be awesome to be the fly on that wall. Not a lot of us get to experience that, so that'd be very cool. Yeah. Oh, what a great share. And that's, that's so cool too. Like a bit of a, a bit of a rivalry between you two, you know, having balance and I had it first. I love that. <laughs> that is so cool. And so, th- so I mean, thank goodness for your friend there at the label. Uh, oh, you yeah. know, if, if you were away on a vacation that weekend or something, oh man, you know what I mean? You would have missed a, a chance of a lifetime. I know. Yeah. And I know what you mean, like uh, being backstage like that. You're just kind of, okay, you need somebody. Junior and I had the opportunity the other day with Smashing Pumpkins. We were backstage and, you know, you're talking about the laminates. There's, there's one right there. You know, we had we each had those all access for uh, for Smashing Pumpkins. And we're, we, you walk through and you just realize you can walk through anywhere you want. Then you're almost like, okay, well, now what do we do? You know, and same thing yeah. as you, right? You're looking for someone. Oh, there's a friend. I know this guy. I can go have a conversation. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned about Guitar World, so people that reviewed your record. That's another question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up the program. Um, I mean, every guitar player out there, all of us, I'm sure we've all had this dream. Um, oh, man, one day I'm going to be on the cover of Guitar World, or I'm going to be interviewed, or I'm going to place an ad in Guitar World, or whatever whatever it is. You just want to be in the magazine. You've had the opportunity to be in uh, magazines like Guitar World, uh, Premier Guitar, and a lot of uh, other prestigious magazines worldwide that publish worldwide. What was it like the very first time? And I'm, I'm curious, too, maybe we'll throw this back to your mom again, too. Um, you know, God rest her soul. Um, but maybe she got to see you in a guitar magazine the first time, proud of her boy. What was it like that first time? Well, I remember the 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 first magazine was actually uh, was actually Guitar World okay. magazine, and uh, it was it was a review. They did a little kind of like blurb, and then it was they did a review of the mag of of in the magazine of the of the record. Okay. Um, and I remember I still listen. I still have the weird, the weird thing about it is when you move, I have like you know whenever like something like that happens, I, you know I'm like a kid. You know what I mean? I go. I'm in the guitar magazine. I have to buy like four copies. So I have like piles and piles of magazines. Like, do I really need four copies? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you get it. I was like, it's like, you know, it's just, it's a static, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it feels so good. Again, it's the, it's, um, it's just, there's so much hard work that goes into it. So it's sort of like a validation, you know, it feels good. Uh, And again, it's, it's something that at least you could, you know, it keeps you, it keeps you motivated. Um, and, but you know, again, I don't want to, I want to bring this up because we've been talking about this, but like, you know, I listen, it's great that, uh, that Steve Vai said things and I have other guitar players say stuff and guitar world did this and that, but really what means the most is for people like that have been coming on the show and saying that they like the CD, the DVD. The other yeah. guy says, "Hey, Rob, you're a great guitar player." It's really the people that are listening because that's what really gives gives you know give, makes me want to do more stuff. Because if people did, if they don't like it, then you know what 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 am I doing? You know I agree with mean? that so well. And here's something you'll totally appreciate. This question was asked to me by the Dave and Dave Unchained guys on their podcast. They said, "You know, what do you think about Eddie when he's in these guitar polls and he comes in like fifth or tenth or things like that?" And I, what, what does that matter? How, like, you know, what does that matter to you? And how, what are your thoughts on that? And I'm like, you know what? The only thing that counts is on the street. And just like you said here, screw it, screw it. I mean, I love all these magazines and I'm not trying to disrespect any of them, but a lot of times these polls 
are dollar influenced. You know, like, okay, okay, so you're on this label. This label spent a lot of money with us in advertising. Uh, so we're going to favor this guy. You know, it's not some, it, it is what it is. It's a business world. Um, but when it comes down to the real world people on the streets, like you say, people in the chat today talking about you, that's where it counts. It's very cool and, and very humbling. And it's, you can, you know, drop a couple names here and there. But the people that matter, the fans that would do anything to come and see you at, at wherever they can, and they're, they're praising the stuff. Then you know you've you've done something well that is you can be proud of for a moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. It's fantastic, and there's a lot of people here tonight as well, um, really enjoying the show. I'm seeing great feedback here as well too. Uh, Blue Smurf here uh, in the uh, towards the end of the comments saying love the show. Um, uh, Sean Cook he's asked lots of questions tonight. Says uh, great show. He's got a role. Um, and I'm seeing other great comments as well. Thomas Santiago saying, uh, great show, Eric. Andre is saying, don't forget the Van Halen backstory, which we talked about. So as we have about three minutes left on the program, um, I, I hate the fact that we're getting close to the end of the year. Um, it's certainly not the end of the year, um, but we're in the final quarter. NAM's coming up, winter NAM uh, in January. And it, NAM has always been a big thing for you. I see you very, very busy. You know, you're out there doing what you should be doing at NAM, networking with uh, with all the people out there and doing it very successful. I think a lot of people could take um, uh, notes from you the way you work NAM. Like you, you physically work it. A lot of times you're on the NAM dime where you're there to uh, play for certain people. But you're yeah. really you're working. When you're not working, you're working. Um, right. And and I really respect that. Tell us uh, if there's anything you can share with us. What you're aiming for for NAM 2019, and um, just any any uh, things that you'd like to talk about. Well, uh, a couple of things. You know, uh, first I, I'll to bring, since we're on the NAM thing. Yeah, NAM I, I, is a is a really good thing. I like to go out there. I like to to meet face to face with a lot of the, the people that have been helping me like you know the endorsement companies Ibanez and uh, uh, Atomic Amps and uh, Morley Pedals so uh, you know I, what I try and do is I go out there and I think this year it's probably going to be you know I've been doing it for a while and, I, and I'm fortunate enough to be demoing for Atomic Amps so I, I think that's going to happen again this year and I'll probably do something at DV Mark as well and I'm, a th I'm thinking Morley probably as well. Uh, so I'll have a couple of spots throughout the four days where I'll be playing uh, at their booths. And I usually I do like a backing track thing, which is fun. Cool. Uh, and then take questions about the equipment and stuff like that. Nice. And, and get to meet and interact with your fans. You know, one-on-one yeah. -on -one is so cool. Some of these people that have caught you, do, you know, on the road and things like that. That I mean, it's one thing to play for the the uh, the manufacturers, but to interact with the fans, where they're they're just loving it, they're starstruck, you know, yeah. get a chance. Hey, I get a picture with Rob, and they now we live in the digital age. They can get a picture yeah. with you, you know. They're yeah. like you with Van Halen, but now it's you know it's twenty nineteen, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you know that that you know that. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also you know in in the midst of uh, of uh, you know what I have coming up again. I brought up that, so keep a lookout for that on my social media. The the trans the, the transcription book. And uh, I'm working on a, a new record, so hopefully uh, we get that done soon. Oh, that's fantastic. we got lots to look forward to, so 2019 is going to be a great year. We'll look forward to that. And um, you talked about your links. We have all of them. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, we've got your YouTube, your website. I think there's yeah. even more in there as well, too. And you can find all of Rob's uh, you know, properties on there. Follow him closely, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, last couple comments over in the chat. Uh, Robert Ortiz says, great interview. Thanks again. Uh, Andre Lurito says, great show. Love it. Tesla Troops. We had trouble with him getting
getting into the chat. We, I was trying to do some troubleshooting with him today. Good to have you, Mark. Tesla Troop says, great show, very inspirational. Thank you. Uh, Les Bellin says, great show, Eric. Great uh, guest. Cheers, Rob. And David Spicer says, great guest, great interview, great show. I don't. We're at the 90-minute mark. We have done this. I think we, we ended this on a high note. I hope, Rob, you had a good time your first time on the show, and I, I opened the door for a return anytime you'd like to come back on. Did you have a good time? Oh, it was great. Really, I, I love it. You know, I, I had I also brought out this book. Do you have this book? I don't have the Van Halen Encyclopedia. I'm very familiar uh, with it. I, that's a great book. Get it. I know. I'm very. I know the book inside. No, I don't own it. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, that's a great book. And Van Halen Rising is another good one as well, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that to death. No, I listen. I love the show. I mean, uh, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, you know, thanks to everyone that came in on the chat. And uh, if I could mention one more thing that I sh- I didn't mention before, please do. Listen, I'm, I'm very you know. I do keep in touch with people that uh, send me emails. So if you reach out to me on Facebook, you have questions about uh, guitars, m- my music. If you have a qu- questions about my equipment, please hit me up. And also anybody you know that's interested in taking lessons, I it's with Skype now. I do all over the world. You just send me an email or hit me up in uh, one of the social media things. If you're interested, we can definitely work. Could fit you in somewhere. Oh, fantastic. No, that'd be great. Uh, some people pick up some lessons from you for sure. Um, so no problem. Uh, people hit Rob up for sure. Uh, Adam says, uh, well done, boys. Futone. Uh, Nocturnal Butterfly has posted our link to our merchandise as well, too, at broadstash.com. Quentin James says, 90 minutes. We're getting good at this. After about two and a half years, we're almost getting our, <laughs> our crap together. <laughs> it's, it's coming. And Les balance says, balance. So listen, everyone. We hope we are able to warm up your weekend for you. Uh, please have a fun and safe weekend. I'm back here again on Sunday for the Helix Hour at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with uh, a world-renowned cello. Tina Guo. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a fun show, and that's the return of uh, Helix Hour Season 2. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Access Mario's back. He said his phone died, so Mario, you're going to have to jump back and catch a little bit of this. Rob, I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air, and I want to thank all of you so very much for tuning in. Uh, last announcement, too. I, f- I f- totally forgot about this, but this is going to be a... It's kind of this soft launch. I uh, picked up a new show sponsor today that's uh, sponsoring the program. Helps with a lot of things. Uh, Stuart Travel Guitars is now the official uh, primary sponsor for EVH and Gear TV, so I'm very, very thankful thankful for that. The link is in the description down there below as well, too, stuartguitars.com. But uh, they're the primary sponsor for the show, and I'm very blessed with that. They will be getting a lot of their love starting next week. So you're going to see a lot of new intros and graphics and all that kind of cool stuff. So watch for that. Everyone have a great weekend. See you Sunday possibly, and uh, follow Rob's links in the description down below. Rob, say goodbye to you off the air, and everyone, we'll talk to you very soon. Until next time. Thank you. Hey, EVH Gear TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.